I'm Zach Rowland. Hello. And today we're talking about season four, episode six, If I Had a Hammer. This episode, Dexter goes undercover to learn more about and from Trinity. Rita forces Dexter into marriage counseling. Deb narrowly avoids committing perjury. LaGuardia and Angel officially stop dating. And Dexter gets his very own shed. What did you guys think of this episode overall? I like this episode. I really like the title of the episode. If I had a hammer, it's like my life's mantra. <laughs> um, so, no, I thought this episode was great because we got a lot of fun Dexter um, Trinity Killer time, and that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. This episode was so good. Leaving off where we did in the last episode with him. Uh, you know, figuring out that Trinity had a family, you were just, you were just thrown for a loop. You're like, oh my god, we got to figure out about this guy. And this this episode gave us all we wanted. Yeah, I liked this one too. I like this one too. I think it's a lot of a lot more story building. But what I liked about this one is there's just so much creepy tension, and we get to see the family, and we just there's the sense of dread that really settles in on this episode when we realize, you know what kind of guy we're really up against and what we're seeing with, with who Trinity is. Yeah, I like the uh, the title there from the 60s folk song, If I Had a Hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have also gone with Stop Hammer Time or Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him. But, that uh, would have been so good. Uh, but last episode should have been Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him because Trinity killed that guy. Um, but yeah. So the episode opens... On Trinity leading the congregation of his church in a hymn, Dexter is in the church singing along. Trinity goes, or Dexter goes through Trinity's schedule. He has a full, respectable life as camouflage. So some amount of time has passed in between the two episodes because Dexter has already locked down Trinity's whole uh, routine. Rita is still angry with Dexter. Sandwich denied. Rita has made a couples therapy session appointment for them. Dexter gets called into the scene of Trinity's new victim. Deb knows the address without being told because Lundy told her where it would be. So, I mean, that tells us it it couldn't have been that long if they're just now getting called to the scene. That's right. Yeah, that is strange. Oh, they fucked it up, didn't they? They did. He was killed on Friday and they found him on a Monday. That's what the show actually says happened. That's weird. So Dexter has his like whole week schedule figured out somehow over a weekend. Yeah. Very interesting. I didn't I didn't catch that one. Um because Dexter saw Trinity move the dead man's arm, he finds some ash left behind. He tries to bag it for himself, but Masuka takes it. Masuka recognizes the wounds as coming from a framing hammer. Yeah, the little thing about Masuka, like, he talks about tools, right? He makes some little comment about knowing his tool, or... He says, there's no such thing as a tool I haven't played with. Yeah. Yeah, how do you know so much about hammers? Uh, That was his reply. Well, I mean, look at his vehicle. Uh, Come on. (laughs) Because he is a tool. The monster truck? He is a tool. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he knows yeah. a lot about tools because he is one. Yeah. 
I will. Yeah. I will say that um, the the opening uh, shot of them at the church, and then uh, with the ash stuff uh, throughout this episode, and more throughout throughout this episode, I started to pick up more of what the Trinity Killer was all about. Like I kind of got it at first with the way that Lundy was presenting it, um, but this episode really solidified like what why Lundy calls him the Trinity Killer. It's not just because he three peats. Uh, you know, and we'll get into it later, but like I really enjoyed this episode for that reveal of like the depth of the name of the Trinity Killer and what it represented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and Lundy had only really figured out that he was killing in threes. He he didn't know the connection either. He didn't understand right. what the reason behind it was. Right, right, right. So we see Trinity whistling to him and thoroughly cleaning his hammer in his garage. Uh, Deb is upset that the vacation murders killer won't admit to shooting her in Lundy. Angel is being transferred to fraud as a lieutenant. It's a desk job, but he's willing to do it to stay with LaGuerta. What a fraud. Yeah. She's not worth it. <laughs> God. She's the worst. Like, why, why would he even think she's worth that? Sad Tista. God. Sad Tista doesn't want to be alone. She's oh, already cheating on him with Matthew, so... <laughs> yeah, that'll be next. What I don't get is how that solves the problem still. Like, I get on cases, like, why they should probably maybe not work on cases together, but if he's on... He's still in the same building, right? Like, aren't they still... I don't, I don't really get how the changing of departments it's, and giving him a promotion... She's no longer much. his direct boss. Yeah. That's the, oh, so it's, that's like, the it's like a hierarchy thing. Okay, he's yeah. the he's the All sergeant right. and she's the lieutenant. Like, she doesn't have any other sergeants and he doesn't have any other lieutenants. Like, they're they are the chain of command at homicide, so it's a pretty big issue. Right. Um, yeah, Rita and Dexter go to therapy. Rita has a pile of used Kleenexes in front of her. Dexter is having trouble following what Rita is upset about. The therapist points out that this isn't new behavior for Dexter. Rita admits that she thought Dexter would change, but that didn't work with Paul either. Rita gives Dexter an ultimatum. If they can't be completely honest with each other, she doesn't want to stay. Didn't the uh, therapist almost, not necessarily side with Dexter, but like kind of made Rita realize that something, isn't that the scene where they're in therapy and she's like, yeah, she's like, don't rule Rita, you... Yeah, you knew this, right? Like, you shouldn't be surprised by it. Like, why are you so upset by this? Well, I thought was I just thought it was interesting uh, that the therapist was like, you know, like when you think of a therapist or a couple of therapy, it's like, I don't know, I've never been. But I feel like they're usually on the person's side who's the most upset, maybe? I don't know. And so she, like, wasn't on Rita's side, and I respected that because she was just like, think about it more as opposed to, like, placing blame. I mean, television therapists might act like that, but uh, <laughs> in reality, uh, they're they're supposed to be, you know, they're, they're they're not supposed to be on a side. They're supposed to be helping the two parties ha- have a conversation with one another. And it looks like from the scene that Rita has spent a long time explaining that she's upset about Dexter lying and doing this and lying and doing that. But the therapist is hard enough to know that that's how Dexter's always been, so why does Rita expect him to do something different now? Yeah. yeah if if I, Dexter hadn't killed that therapist in season one, they could have <laughs> gone to him, and he probably that, yeah. would 
he probably would have had this knocked out. That like, that guy would have totally uh, <laughs> sided with Dexter. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely would have. But yeah, I think and um, from a you know, if you're looking at the scene as whose side is she on, it seems like she's on Dexter's side. But that's really just that's information that Rita didn't have before that session. She hadn't made that connection that oh, I yeah. I let this happen. I actually I, I tolerated this before we got married, and why am I now intolerant of this behavior now that we are married? You know, right, right, right. she didn't say to Dexter, "You need to stop lying now that we're married." Like, I just thought it was well done. Yeah, like I I expected it to go differently, and it, again, it didn't go the way that I thought. Even though it's a, such a small scene. <laughs> yeah. It really does transition the character there to where, you know, we have talked about how weak Rita can be and how easy she is to push around and how she's so passive. And we do kind of see this switch where she's like, you know what, I'm not going to take it anymore. I have these expectations. I think she kind of talks about that later in the episode. So it's interesting to see that, that growth from her. Absolutely. Masuka ran DNA tests on the ash and got the profile of the killer from saliva and the remains. Deb gets a voicemail from one of Harry's CIs. Dexter continues to watch Arthur Mitchell, who is Trinity. Uh, he's decided he needs to learn how to keep this killer keeps up a family, and he won't kill again until the cycle is up. So it's safe to leave him alone for now. Uh, Dexter introduces himself as Kyle Butler and gets a flyer from Mitchell about a house building project. So that is that is where they actually meet for the first time, although Dexter's given him a fake name. It wasn't quite the fireworks that I wanted. Like, I, I just, I wanted this, I wanted the Lundy Trinity scene, like the, the knowing glance. And instead, it's like, here's a flyer. Come build a house with us. Like, what? <laughs> I like that it was bland like that. It was just, like, <laughs> perfectly normal. He, I mean, his name's Kyle. His fake name is Kyle. It couldn't have any excitement to it. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't he be any more blah. He didn't show up like uh, Miguel at the stakeout. <laughs> <laughs> the Unabomber. The Unabomber. Uh, yeah, when Dexter plays these little like side characters, it, I feel like it is enjoyable to watch because we do have such a dynamic view of him. Yeah, that it's fun to see him almost. Yeah, like it's he's like improvising. You know, it, it's really cool. I really enjoy these moments. Yeah, it's cool that he's not uh, always playing the the heroin addict or whatever he was. And <laughs> Free so, yeah, the, Freebo. He's much better at playing Freebo. white bread Freebo. Kyle than he is at playing a drug addict eating Oreos. I'll say that. Yes. Uh, Christine wants Quinn to get her an interview with Deb. Quinn's not going to do that. Uh, Deb tells Quinn that she wants to come forward as an eyewitness and say that the vacation murder suspect shot her in Lundy. Quinn tells her not to make that decision yet. If she gets something wrong, it will come back to bite her. Um, and that's an interesting scene because they have that conversation on Quinn's front step and Christine is up in the apartment, like, watching them without Deb's knowledge. So. Uh, Masuka has determined that the killer and the ashes are related. 
Dexter arrives at the job site. Mitchell is using the murder weapon to frame a house. He lends it to Dexter so Dexter can help out. Dexter approaches Mitchell's son, Jonah. Jonah gives his dad a glowing review. He says he recently got a very nice classic car from his dad. Deb goes to Nikki's cell to question her in person. When she refers to Lundy as an old man, Deb grabs her through the bars. Deb says she doesn't know the pain of watching someone she loved die. But Nikki shot her boyfriend and she breaks down and starts crying about it. She tells Deb that if she lies about who killed Lundy, that Deb is the liar. Yeah, this scene was intense for, like, all the reasons. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just watching Deb just, like, go at her and that girl, like, uh, breaking down and what Deb says to her. I was like, even when Deb said that, she's like, you don't know what it feels like. And then I was like, yes, she does. And she goes, oh, no, you do. And I was like, oh, it was, yeah, it was fun. Uh, I don't know why everything's so fun to me in this episode, but I, I was really into it. Yeah, watching Deb go from, like, raging psychopath to... Oh fuck! I screwed up. Like, that was a great transformation there too. Yeah, yeah. It's a really just a heavily emotional scene, which I I caught this one. Uh, so <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I. Was <laughs> I was say, you were awake for this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot less passion going on. Yeah, no boobs to distract you. I get it. Mm. And we might have to make that part of our. Uh, part of our rundown of episodes like it automatically loses a, like a boob meter no. <laughs> what, are we, what are we talking about like it may have to lose like half a letter grade if there's no boobs in it i think that's a joe bob bridge rule that <laughs> it automatically loses half a star if there's no boobs that's a fair rule that seems fair to me. uh it feels very gender specific in this case i feel a little left out that i don't care as much about the boobs i don't know if there's a way we can make it equal though well i mean we had lundy's taint but you may have to, <laughs> yeah, well, you may have to have a blu-ray like I said, to see that there's no way to make it equal because i don't care about lundy's taint <laughs> at all i think uh, uh, i think brooke saying lundy's taint is the best line of this episode we've, well we've also seen uh we've also seen john lifgow's butt quite a bit yeah, yeah too true. much. That's true. Hey, hey, everybody loves Third Rock, okay? Hey, I'm not body <laughs> John Lithgow at all. He, he can show his butt, but still doesn't quite rank the same as the boob meter. <laughs> the boob meter. Uh, <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. Yeah, I call it lots of different things, depending on the situation. Uh... LaGuerta asks Matthews to transfer her instead of Angel. He says he'll think about it in a way that heavily suggests he will not think about it. Dexter buys Rita in the kid's presence. His presence to Rita is a bread maker. We're always running out of bread. Rita says we're always running out of milk. Did you get me a cow too? <laughs> the scene was so good. It just it goes back to, to Dexter being as clueless as ever. And it's just so wonderful whenever he does it. As soon as he gave Cody that Nintendo DS, I was like, he's fully become Paul. Oh. Oh. He's fully, like, trying to buy the affection of his family back. And, like, it's. Well, that just made it get really depressing. I thought yeah. it was a funny scene until you said that. That was a downer. <laughs> That's how you do it. You buy expensive <laughs> gifts to win back the favor of people that you've 
wrong. It's a simple formula. Everyone knows it. I don't want to talk yeah. about that. That's why nobody anymore. likes me. I get it. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, yeah. And giving Rita the bread maker is just the ultimate, like, husband mistake thing. It's like just one step above giving her a vacuum cleaner as a present. I still don't understand. <laughs> those are, it's those also are good, a bad move. Those are good practical gifts. I don't understand why women get so upset <laughs> when you're just like, hey, this is, a, you know, we need a new one. Here's a new one. Here, you, I guess it's for both of us. Man. I don't, not, all right. You use it the most, so. <laughs> At Christmas, I asked Amber what she wanted for, uh, for Christmas, and, and she was like, well, you know, we need a new vacuum cleaner. And I'm like, no, that's a trap. <laughs> that is a trap. You ain't getting that, me. That is going to backfire. <laughs> I just like gave her the finger and dove out of the car. <laughs> uh, Rita asks Dexter to talk to her. He's had an incredulous set of thoughts, but doesn't say anything to Rita for too long. She tells him he can stay more, say more in their next therapy session. That she's now moving up. Uh, LaGuerta tells Angel that she's going to keep him from being transferred out of homicide. Angel says he won't let her do that. They have to decide between their jobs and their relationship. Quinn asks Deb if she changed her mind about being an eyewitness. She has. She thanks Quinn for looking out for her. Deb has gone through all the evidence from Lundy's room. She knows what that the pieces are missing, like the books and so forth that Dexter took. LaGuerta and Angel go to Matthews together, let him know that their relationship is over. They give him sworn affidavits. Matthews says that if this is bullshit, that they're in big trouble. And uh, so that's finally over, hopefully. Uh, Dexter. What is, sorry, what does he say? He says something, he's like, you know how I know it's over? Because this is high school bullshit or something like that, right? Does he say, he like he's like a principal of the Miami Metro. Yeah, he does say something about high school bullshit, but he, uh, he also threatens them with, like, if they're just pretending with this stuff and he finds out there is something still going on, that there can be career-ending consequences for it. Right, right. So they're acting childish, but he wants them to know that there are real-life uh, consequences for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good thing you came back for another episode to say those lines. <laughs> yes. <laughs> To, to, to finish off this whole LaGuerta Angel madness. Yeah. Hopefully for good. Uh, Dexter finds that Arthur, Miller, Arthur Mitchell's sister, father, and mother died in the same ways as the Trinity Killer kills. Trinity is recreating their deaths. <clears throat> After working with Mitchell at a job site, Dexter cuts his finger as an excuse to go inside the house to get first aid. He finds a wall of photos of houses Mitchell has built with plaques from different cities he's been to. It's a sort of trophy wall. He finds an urn full of remains. It's Trinity's sister's ashes. He picks it up to see what Mitchell does. Mitchell puts the urn down and strangles Dexter against a wall. He finally lets Dexter go and tells him that his sister death, sister's death was very painful to him. What uh, a great scene that was. Just yeah. the, Even just the look Michael C. Hall gives him when he walks in and he's holding it. Just, just the... the facial expressions and the way they were looking at each other just said volumes they didn't need to do anything else just that alone would have been enough yeah yeah and he says don't touch <laughs> Woo! like a like a 
antique in an old person's home. Uh, Man, he's scary. I, I have a question. Um, so maybe you guys can help me figure this out because the so there's they saying that um, he's been to multiple cities and that's where he's committed some of the murders. Or does most of the murders happen in and around Miami? I'm trying to figure out like the depth. I'm sure this might come into play later, but like where he's killed at. So Trinity Killer. okay, so the original. His actual sister, mother, and father died in Miami 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. He's moved all around the country, and whatever city he was in when the cycle was up, the year, whatever it is that his cycle is, he commits the three murders in that city. And that's what Uh, Lundy had figured out. He'd pieced together that there'd been these three similar deaths in these different cities in these different years... So he knows the guy's been moving around, um, but when the uh, woman is killed in the first episode, that is a Trinity kill in Miami, Right. that's why Lundy comes back to Miami, because he's like, okay, there's two more murders that are going to happen, we can try and catch this guy now. Okay, okay, got it. Alright, and so now the cycle, so he's killed three times... So now he's so this, Dexter considers him safe because he knows he won't kill again until the cycle needs to repeat, and so he's and, just waiting. And how long's the cycle? You said a year. Uh, that was how I understood it, but Lundy wasn't really specific because he wasn't sure if he had all of the murders, like if he had oh, discovered right. all of them. Okay. So right. there were only like five yeah. on the wall, like five houses and plaques. So it might be like once every five years or something that he does it. But huh? Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting because I mean the psychology of the killer, you know, trying to put that all together and like what it all amounts to. It's it's such a, a fascinating process, uh, and that we've only gotten so much of it through what Lundy's picked up, and now we're getting more of it through what Dexter's picking up. I'm yeah. trying to just piece it all together. It's a lot. I mean, this could be a season where you could almost go back through and rewatch a second time just to try to find little pieces mm-hmm. of writing that connect and whatnot, which is really cool. I've not felt that about a lot of the other seasons. Well, and what's interesting, too, about the pattern to consider is that he has a family who he's taking with him while he's doing this. So he has to be moving around and taking his family with them. And, you know, that adds an extra depth of, of what makes it interesting. Mm. Yeah, and his schedule is so methodical and planned out like he uh having something interrupt his schedule would really mess him up it seems like like there's a lot of uh of pathology with this character so it's it's one of the more one of the more well-written well-thought-out characters they've put into the show and certainly the most well-thought-out uh villain or you know season-long issue for dexter to deal with that they've had um, you know, Brian Moser was much more, I think, of a mystery and a shock reveal because of his relationship with Dexter um, and how he was like Dexter. Uh, but this is much more of a, you know, there's nothing that really connects them except Dexter realizes that he's also a family man that has to camouflage his need to kill. Um, and for Trinity, it's almost like 
he almost does it to punish himself in a way. It's like his own guilt over the situation. Whereas for Dexter, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's bloodlust. He wants to kill people, and Harry's code has just taught him how to kill people that deserve to die according to the code. Yeah. Here's a question about the pattern. So Lundy never specifically said the time frame between the kills, right? Right. But maybe this is weird, but does the uh, the plaques that they say are trophies, did they have dates on them? I know it just kind of skimmed them, but did anybody notice if there was years marked on there? Or? I don't think they actually say, but in an earlier episode, Lundy mentions that he's been killing for 30 years. Mm. So... And there's five houses. Yeah, and I think I think Dexter even yeah. says at some point in this episode, it's a kind of poetic uh, that he, one serial killer is going to end the thirty year reign of another. So. Yeah, well, and if he's doing it every if he's doing it every five yeah. years since the actual event, mm-hmm. then this would be his sixth kill. Yeah. That he does not yet have a plaque for. So that would make it a five-year cycle. Yep. Hmm. Um, Mitchell said that he used to... sorry, we're better than Miami Metro. Good detective. Look at us. Doing math, looking at plaques, counting up numbers. Uh, Mitchell (laughs) says that he used to push people away and even lost a relationship over it. He said he learned to jump in with both feet and that his family saved him. So Dexter tells Rita he wants to jump in with both feet. Because Dexter always gets his marital advice from quality people. Um, (laughs) He says he doesn't know how to let her in. It's something he never learned. Uh, They're in a therapy session. Dexter tells the therapist that if Rita ever saw him for who he really is, that she'd leave. He tells her that he needs a space to keep his stuff. And Rita agrees to this. Was this the one where he talks about Lila? He talks about Lila somewhere in here, I know. I he, he does, uh, because it's one of my favorite lines. The therapist <laughs> says, uh, "What? Uh, who, who's Lila? And Rita says, the, the homicidal bitch he slept with. And Dexter I says... I missed that! That's because that? at the same time, Dexter says, uh, my sponsor... So they both answer at the same time. Dexter says, my sponsor, and Rita says, the homicidal bitch he slept with. (laughs) Damn, I missed that. Oh, I was so so glad that Lila made it back. Just just for a little (laughs) hot moment, you know. A little friendship. Pardon my smits. So, uh... Mitchell walks into the bathroom where his wife is bathing. The scene initially looks sinister with him watching from the doorway. He asks if he can come in and join her. Water spills out of the tub. He sits down behind her and looks at her with a hand mirror, just like with the, when he killed the first victim. And he tells his wife that she's beautiful. So creepy. Shudder. Shudder. It was yeah. such a well-done scene, though. Like, you, you legit thought, I was like, oh man, this woman's about to get it. Well, and from her performance, it's like she's completely comfortable with this. Like, none of this is freaking her out at all. It's totally normal behavior for him. Um, Deb tells Dexter about the missing notes from Lundy's room. She's determined that Trinity was the killer of Lundy. She says she killed Lundy because he was getting close. She says that Trinity killed Lundy because he was getting close. 
she hasn't told LaGuerta yet. She wants more information. She also thinks she might know who Harry was sleeping with, but in both cases, she wants to get more information before sharing, before she, in both cases, steps on her dick, as she calls it. Ah, <laughs> uh, you Morgans in that mouth. <laughs> <laughs> on the first time she said it, uh, Dexter's like, yeah, you definitely don't want to do that. You don't want to yeah. step on your dick. Um, like they're both stepping on each other's dicks <laughs> throughout this whole season. Just a bunch of dick stepping. Yeah. With the boob meter. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Dexter uses the murder hammer, uh, murder weapon hammer, to build a shed in the backyard that is his own space. The AC unit is there, so it is, and so is his box with the hidden compartment. Rita's happy that he likes his space. She gives Dexter a padlock, telling him they need to keep the children locked out. There's dangerous stuff in there. And Dexter breaks the fourth wall with a satisfied look into the camera. That's the end of the episode. I like to think that he was just looking at the sun. He was just staring <laughs> off the sun. He's, like, so happy. But, yeah, no, it's funny. It is funny that he breaks the fourth wall just to give us this little, like, ding, you know. Mm-hmm. So weird, because they haven't done that before on the series, right? That's the first time we've had that. Seems oddly. I'm pretty sure it's the first time that he's looked into camera like that. Just an odd, odd moment, I think. He's acknowledged yeah. the audience before, like he said, uh, like present company excluded or something like that to us before. But yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think he's actually looked at the camera like, uh huh, I got a shit now. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the little wink and nod kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. A little, yeah. A little weird. This episode was directed by Romeo Tyrone. Uh, he was the cinematographer for seasons one through six. So, uh, did all of the shooting there. Uh, he was nominated for a primetime Emmy for Outstanding Cinematography for One Hour Series for the season two finale, The British Invasion. A very hmm. bad episode, but it was well shot, and that's why they selected it, I'm sure. And this is the first of four episodes that he directed, as opposed to just doing the DP job. Uh, That's pretty interesting that he was the DP for six seasons. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, directing, he, he, he dabbled over, but that's like, uh, I mean, those those two brains work, you know, in tandem, but also very separately. So that's interesting that, like, so much of it with the way that it's written and what we're getting from the performances... Uh, you're also seeing like how when a, the, the DP shoots and directs the same episode, it's so good. I thought this episode was awesome. I thought it was really good. So yeah. that's sort of an interesting thing to, to think about. And not, not really – doesn't happen too often, I don't think. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fairly difficult to do both jobs at the same time. I'm guessing that he got to a point where he was comfortable enough with the look of the show that uh, he decided to – take on directing some episodes as well yeah that's cool uh and after dexter he was the director of photography on 16 episodes and the director for six episodes of true blood this was written by lauren gussis uh who wrote or co-wrote 12 episodes across all eight seasons she was promoted up several times starting as a staff writer and ending up as a supervising producer by next season uh, what was the best line of the episode? We're always running out of milk, too. Did you get me a cow? 
<laughs> that was gonna Pretty be my good. favorite. But homicidal bitch she slept with. He slept with. That would have been my favorite had I heard it. But Top line. So I good. Missed it. I, I don't know why I put this, but I'm going to say it. But I don't know if I was just distracted <laughs> by how good the episode was. But I put the best line is probably wax off with her ashes. So I was clearly <laughs> distracted. Uh, I think I meant that for the worst line. But I had a lot of worse, worse lines. Yeah, that's like the Zuka line. The problem yeah, wax off of their ashes. Yeah. Don't so, remember that line, but I would have known it was Masuka if you didn't tell me. Yeah. All right. I, I think I was thinking it was the worst line, and I put it in my best line slot. I like the cow line, though. That was good. I, I just assumed that that line was Masuka. So just, <laughs> it, as, soon, it was. as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, Masuka line. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Rita's just totally deadpan, dry delivery of... We run out of milk all the time, too, Dexter. Did you get me a cow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the delivery is what made it. Yeah. Uh, how about worst line of the episode? Um, this one isn't a terrible line so much as it's just something that irked me. Uh, it's when Dexter's talking about how comfortable he is with bodily fluids. I'm just like, <laughs> eh, eh. Uh, how do you know so much about hammers? Not a tool I haven't played with, my friend. That's that's mine. Yeah, that felt like they were really stretching for something perverted for Masuka to say, yeah. because right that sounds a bit gay. It sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even sound dirty. It just sounds stupid. Like it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I always hate Masuka's dirty lines, but that one I hate double just because it wasn't even really dirty it was just dumb i mean he has like expressed an interest in trans stuff before <laughs> true yeah so he could explain all that shemale stuff on his browser <laughs> yeah history. that's right yeah they were reaching on that one i yeah i agree i think he's secretly uh with gianna now mm. angels that makes sense angels x yeah I, I don't know why I put this one either. I, it's not really that bad of a line. I don't know where I was at. Uh, <laughs> what were you drinking while you were watching Dexter? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, but I, I put uh, uh, Father of the Freaking Year, but I don't even remember who said it. Look, I know that it's easy to get into the evidence room, but you got to put the heroin down. <laughs> I was... Uh, I was all freebooted out. What was, um, what was the line again? Father of the freaking year. Uh, was I that do Jonah? I remember hearing that, I think, but... Was, was that the son that said that? No, I think maybe Dexter's no. response to it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it was, uh, is that the kid was talking to him, up the dad, and Dexter goes, yeah, father of the freaking year, or something like that, mm. so... I just thought it was corny. That's probably why I put it in the worst line. Gotcha. But then again, It'd be even I better put... if we found out that wasn't even where it happened, and we all just fabricated the scene. <laughs> that and that's not even where it was. It was Did totally you watch it with commercials different. by any chance? Was it, was no, it like watched... a commercial break? I watched it on Netflix. Uh, no, to be fair, I've had a busy week and I was multitasking. So. Dude, this talking lizard showed up at one point. It's <laughs> like telling me about car insurance. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, why did Dexter have talking lizards in it? Well, I'll buy some of the Geico. episode was the talking lizard. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about performance of the episode? The Talking Chicky Hines him. Memorial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I gotta go with Lithgow. Yeah, like it, all if, the way. The the entire episode, every every scene he's in, he he just he makes the entire scene. And then this, if you didn't give it to him off of the scene with the ashes, you have to give it to him after the scene in the bathroom. He is just so good at everything. We're probably going to have to make a rule for season four, like, non-Michael C. Hall, non-John Lithgow, because he's going to get it most of the time. Yeah, he's going to deserve it a lot, too. Yeah, um, oh yeah. I even thought it was great. I love that they chose that, like, washed-in-the-blood him for the beginning, and it just cold opens to him, like, singing that full voice, and it pans back and shows that he's in a church full of people listening to it. Like, he's a deacon singing this hymn, washed in the blood of the Lord. So good. It's so good. All right. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. Thanks, guys. Uh, we did it. Season four, episode six. Thanks, everybody, for listening.